Hey everyone, it is I, D.B. Spitzer. Welcome once again to Black Clock Audio Tales, always hosted by bunnieslippers.com and founditemclothing.com. Check out the Wooly Bully Highland Cow Slippers. I know they're just called Highland Cow Slippers, but I can't help saying Wooly Bully. Hope you're all doing well. Hope you are all feeling well. Just to let you know, I am going to start just uploading as many of these Oz books as possible, just so people have stuff to listen to. If you have kids and you want them to listen to something that's not going to have a bunch of scary or weird stuff in it, eh, you might want to go elsewhere. No, I'm kidding. Oz, the Oz books generally are pretty children safe. There may be a few spooky parts here and there, but you know what? Everyone gets through it in the end. There's every story has Dorothy with a little animal and some friends, and you know, it's fun stuff. It's it's fun stuff. You know, I've been holding stuff together. I've been baking bread, making pasta, canning stuff, brewing. Um, and then I've been doing stuff that I don't normally do. <laughs> you know, the anxiety and the food stuff. That's I'm always doing that stuff. But lately I have been constructing instruments out of junk. You can check that stuff out on Instagram. I'm currently working on a couple of canjos and a uh, cigar box ukulele. Ukulele, whatever you want to call it. If you are interested in that kind of stuff, or if you want to check out and help the show by, I don't know, going to our Patreon at patreon.pgttcm.com, or however you get to Patreon, I can't remember, uh, you can also go to pgttcm.com, find out how to help our show by buying shirts. We're going to have some Dave's Underground Goat Shenanigans shirts coming up pretty soon from... Uh, Shirts for or Oleander, Wash, uh, Oregon, and shirts for Uncle Owen's Goat Farm. Coming up in Los Futuro. Oh man, my Spanish is terrible. But it shouldn't be because I've been watching DuckTales and Troll Movie and all that other fun stuff in Spanish. Um, Libra soy, Libra soy. Yes. I hope you're all doing well. I keep saying I hope you're all doing well because I do hope you're all doing well. I can tell that a lot more people are listening, and thank you all for all of our new listeners. You guys are awesome. You ladies, everyone, um, and anyone in between. I think you're all great. And, you know, I, I, I hope you're coming up with new recipes. I hope you've all watched Tiger King and all that fun stuff. And, you know, everything else that everyone else is talking about. Me, I'm going through old books working on stuff outside, trying to stay away from TV and just listening to podcasts, but listening to a lot of doughboys and small town dicks. Quite the juxtaposition. <laughs> All right, here we go with L. Frank Baum, said it right this time, Road to Oz. Chapter seven, The Shaggy Man's Transformation. They found the houses of the town all low and square and built of bricks, neatly whitewashed inside and out. The houses were not set in rows, forming regular streets, but placed here and there in a haphazard manner which made it puzzling for a stranger to find his way. Stupid people must have streets and numbered houses in their cities to guide them where they go, observed the gray donkey as he walked before the visitors on his hind legs in an awkward but comical manner, but clever donkeys know their way without such absurd marks. Moreover, a mixed city is much prettier than one with straight streets. Dorothy did not agree with this, but she said nothing to contradict it. Presently she saw a sign on a house that read, Madame de Fake, Hoofist, and she asked their conductor, What's a Hoofist, please? 
"'One who reads your fortune in your hoose,' replied the great donkey. "'Oh, I see,' said the little girl. "'You are quite civilized here.' Dunkiton, he replied, is the center of the world's highest civilization. They came to a house where two youthful donkeys were whitewashing the wall, and Dorothy stopped a moment to watch them. They dipped the ends of their tails, which were much like paintbrushes, into a pail of whitewash, backed up against the house, and wagged their tails right and left until the whitewash was rubbed on the wall. After which they dipped these funny brushes in the pail again and repeated the performance. That must be fun," said Button Bright. "No, it's work," replied the old donkey. "But we make our youngsters do all the whitewashing to keep them out of mischief. Don't they go to school?" asked Dorothy. "All donkeys are born wise," was the reply. "So the only school we need is the school of experience." Books are only for those who know nothing, and so are obliged to learn from other people. In other words, the more stupid one is, the more he thinks he knows. Observed the shaggy man. The gray donkey paid no attention to this speech because he had just stopped before a house which had painted over the doorway a pair of hoofs with a donkey tail between them and a rude crown and scepter above. I'll see if his magnificent Majesty King Kikabray is at home," said he. He lifted his head and called "Weeho, weeho, weeho!" three times in a shocking voice, turning about and kicking with his heels against the panel of the door. For a time there was no reply. Then the door opened far enough to permit a donkey's head to stick out and look at them. It was a white head. With big, awful ears and round, solemn eyes, have the foxes gone? It asked in a trembling voice. They haven't been here, most stupendous Majesty," replied the gray one. "The new arrivals prove to be travelers of distinction." "Oh," said the king in a relieved tone of voice, "let them come in." He opened the door wide, and the party marched into a big room, which Dorothy thought. Looked quite unlike a king's palace. There were mats of woven grasses on the floor, and the place was clean and neat. But His Majesty had no other furniture at all. Perhaps because he didn't need it, he squatted down in the center of the room, and a little brown donkey ran and brought a big gold crown, which it placed on the monarch's head, and a golden staff with a jeweled ball at the end of it, which the king held between his front hoofs as he sat upright. Now then," said His Majesty, waving his long ears gently to and fro, "tell me why you are here and what you expect me to do for you." He eyed Button Bright rather sharply, as if afraid of the little boy's queer head. Though it was the Shaggy Man who undertook to reply, "Most noble and supreme ruler of Dunkyton," he said, trying not to laugh at the solemn king's face. We are strangers traveling through your dominions, and have entered your magnificent city because the road led through it, and there was no way to go around. All we desire is to pay our respects to your Majesty, the cleverest king in all the world, I'm sure, and then to continue on our way. This polite speech pleased the king very much. Indeed, it pleased him so much 
that it proved an unlucky speech for the shaggy man. Perhaps the love magnet helped to win his majesty's affections as well as the flattery, but however this may be, the white donkey looked kindly upon the speaker and said, Only a donkey should be able to use such fine big words. And you are too wise and admirable in all ways to be a mere man. Also, I feel that I love you as well as I do my own favored people. So I will bestow upon you the greatest gift within my power, a donkey's head. As he spoke, he waved his jewel staff. Although the shaggy man cried out and tried to leap backward and escape it, it proved of no use. Suddenly his own head was gone, and a donkey head appeared in its place, a brown shaggy head, so absurd and droll that Dorothy and Polly both broke into merry laughter, and even Button Bright's fox face wore a smile. "'Dear me, dear me!' cried the shaggy man, feeling of his shaggy new head and his long ears. "'What a misfortune! What a great misfortune!' Give me back my own head, you stupid king, if you love me at all. Don't you like it? asked the king, surprised. Hee-haw, I hate it. Take it away quick, said the shaggy man. But I can't do that, was the reply. My magic works only one way. I can do things, but I can't undo them. You'll have to find the truth pond and bathe in its water in order to get back your own head. But I advise you not to do that. This head is much more beautiful than the old one. That's a matter of taste, said Dorothy. Where is the truth pond? asked the shaggy man earnestly. Somewhere in the land of Oz, but just the exact location of it I cannot tell, was the answer. Don't worry, shaggy man, said Dorothy, smiling because her friend wagged his new ears so comically. If the truth pond is in Oz, we'll be sure to find it when we get there. Oh, are you going to the land of Oz? asked King Kickabray. I don't know, she replied, but we've been told we are nearer the land of Oz than to Kansas, and if that's so, the quickest way for me to get home is to find Ozma. Oh, ho, do you know the mighty Princess Ozma? asked the king, his tone both surprised and eager. Of course I do. She's my friend, said Dorothy. Then perhaps you'll do me a favor, continued the white donkey, much excited. What is it? she asked. Perhaps you can get me an invitation to Princess Ozma's birthday celebration, which will be the grandest royal function ever held in Fairyland. I'd love to go. Hee-haw! You deserve punishment rather than reward for giving me this dreadful head," said the shaggy man sorrowfully. I wish you wouldn't say hee-haw so much, Polychrome begged him. It makes cold chills run down my back. But I can't help it, my dear. My donkey head wants to bray continually, he replied. Doesn't your fox head want to yelp every minute? he asked Button Bright. Don't know, said the boy still staring at the shaggy man's ears. These seemed to interest him greatly, and the sight also made him forget his own fox head, which was a comfort. What do you think, Polly? Shall I promise the donkey king an invitation to Ozma's party? asked Dorothy of the rainbow's daughter. 
who was flitting about the room like a sunbeam because she could never keep still. "'Do as you please, dear,' answered Polychrome. "'He might help to amuse the guests of the princess.' "'Then if you will give us some supper and a place to sleep tonight, and let us get started on our journey early tomorrow morning,' said Dorothy to the king, "'I'll ask Ozma to invite you, if I happen to get to Oz.' "'Good! Hee-haw! Excellent!' cried Kickabray, much pleased. "'You shall all have fine suppers and good beds. "'What food would you prefer, a bran mash or ripe oats in the shell?' "'Neither one,' replied Dorothy promptly. "'Perhaps plain hay or some sweet juicy grass would suit you better,' suggested Kickabray musingly. "'Is that all you have to eat?' asked the girl. "'What more do you desire?' "'Well, you see, we're not donkeys,' she explained. "'So we're used to other food. "'The foxes gave us a nice supper in Foxville. "'We like some dewdrops and miss cakes,' said Polychrome. "'I'd prefer apples and a ham sandwich,' declared the shaggy man. "'For although I've a donkey head, I still have my own particular stomach.' "'I want pie,' said Button Bright. "'I think some beefsteak and chocolate layer cake would taste best,' said Dorothy." Hee-haw! I declare, exclaimed the king, it seems each of you wants a different food. How queer all living creatures are, except donkeys. And donkeys like you are queerest of all, laughed Polychrome. Well, decided the king, I suppose my magic staff will produce the things you crave. If you are lacking in good taste, it is not my fault. With this he waved his staff with the jeweled ball and before them instantly appeared a tea-table, set with linen and pretty dishes, and on the table were the very things each had wished for. Dorothy's beefsteak was smoking hot, and the shaggy man's apples were plump and rosy-cheeked. The king had not thought to provide chairs, so they all stood in their places around the table and ate with good appetite, being hungry. The rainbow's daughter found three tiny dewdrops on a crystal plate, and Button Bright had a big slice of apple pie, which he devoured eagerly. Afterward, the king called the brown donkey, which was his favorite servant, and bade it lead his guests to the vacant house where they had to pass the night. It had only one room and no furniture except beds of clean straw and a few mats of woven grasses, but our travelers were contented with these simple things because they realized it was the best the donkey king had to offer them. As soon as it was dark, they lay down on the mats and slept comfortably until morning. At daybreak there was a dreadful noise throughout the city. Every donkey in the place brayed. When he heard this, the shaggy man woke up and called out, Hee-haw! as loud as he could. Stop that, said Button Bright in a cross voice. Both Dorothy and Polly looked at the shaggy man reproachfully. "'I couldn't help it, my dears,' he said, as if ashamed of his bray, "'but I'll try not to do it again.' Of course they forgave him, for as he still had the love magnet in his pocket, they were all obliged to love him as much as ever. They did not see the king again, but Kickabray remembered them, for a table appeared again in their room with the same food upon it as on the night before. "'Don't want pie for breakfast,' said Button Bright. "'I'll give you some of my beefsteak,' proposed Dorothy. "'There's plenty for us all.' That suited the boy better, 
But the shaggy man said he was content with his apples and sandwiches, although he ended the meal by eating Button Bright's pie. Polly liked her dewdrops and mist cakes better than any other food, so they all enjoyed an excellent breakfast. Toto had the scraps left from the beefsteak, and he stood up nicely on his hind legs while Dorothy fed them to him. Breakfast ended, they passed through the village to the side opposite that by which they had entered, the brown servant donkey guiding them through the maze of scattered houses. There was the road again, leading far away into the unknown country beyond. King Kickabray says you must not forget his invitation, said the brown donkey, as they passed through the opening in the wall. I shan't, promised Dorothy. Perhaps no one ever beheld a more strangely assorted group than the one which now walked along the road, through pretty green fields and past groves of feathery pepper trees and fragrant mimosa. Polychrome, her beautiful gauzy robes floating around her like a rainbow cloud, went first, dancing back and forth and darting now here to pluck a wildflower or there to watch a beetle crawl across the path. Toto ran after her at times, barking joyously the while, only to become sober again and trot along at Dorothy's heels. The little Kansas girl walked holding Button Bright's hand clasped in her own, and the wee boy with his fox head, covered by the sailor hat, presented an odd appearance. Strangest of all, perhaps, was the shaggy man with his shaggy donkey head, who shuffled along in the rear with his hands thrust deep in his big pockets. None of the party was really unhappy. All were straying in an unknown land and had suffered more or less annoyance and discomfort, but they realized they were having a fairy adventure in a fairy country and were much interested in finding out what would happen next. End of Chapter 7 Hey everyone, thank you for listening to The Road to Oz by L. Frank Baum, or Frank L. Baum. I keep mixing that up. Hey, do you want to help keep things straight? Why don't you go to Facebook or, I don't know, Instagram. Check out PGTTCM and Black Clock Audio Tales. You can also, also, also help out the show by rate, reviewing, and subscribing wherever you rate, review, and subscribe. Tell your friends about it. Be like, hey... There's this annoying guy that has a podcast where there's books read. He doesn't read them. He gets people who can actually uh, read do it. So, yeah, check that out. And, again, I hope you're all doing well. Support the show. That gives you something to listen to. Chapter 8, The Musiker About the middle of the forenoon, they began to go up a long hill. By and by, this hill suddenly dropped down into a pretty valley where the travelers saw, to their surprise, a small house standing by the roadside. It was the first house they had seen, and they hastened into the valley to discover who lived there. No one was in sight as they approached, but when they began to get nearer the house, they heard queer sounds coming from it. They could not make these out at first, but as they became louder, our friends thought they heard a sort of music, like that made by a wheezy hand organ, the music fell upon their ears in this way. Tiddle whittle little oom bum bum oom bum bum oom bum bum tiddle tiddle little oom bum bum oom bum bum pa. 
"'What is it? A band or a mouth organ?' asked Dorothy. "'Don't know,' said Button Bright. "'Sounds to me like a played-out phonograph,' said the shaggy man, lifting his enormous ears to listen. "'Oh, there just couldn't be a phonograph in Fairyland,' cried Dorothy. "'It's rather pretty, isn't it?' asked Polychrome, trying to dance to the strains. "'Tiddle whittle little oom bum bum oom bum bum oom bum bum came the music to their ears more distinctly as they drew nearer the house. Presently they saw a little fat man sitting on a bench before the door. He wore a red braided jacket that reached to his waist, a blue waistcoat, and white trousers with gold stripes down the sides. On his bald head was perched a little round red cap held in place by a rubber elastic underneath his chin. His face was round, his eyes a faded blue, and he wore white cotton gloves. The man leaned on a stout gold-headed cane, bending forward on his seat to watch his visitors approach. Singularly enough, the musical sounds they had heard seemed to come from the inside of the fat man himself, for he was playing no instrument, nor was any to be seen near him. They came up and stood in a row, staring at him, and he stared back, while the queer sounds came from him as before. Tiddle little little oom bum bum oom bum bum Whittle whittle little oom bum bum oom bum bum pa. Why, he's a regular musiker, said Button Bright. What's a musiker? asked Dorothy. Him, said the boy. Hearing this, the fat man sat up a little stiffer than before, as if he had received a compliment, and still came the sounds. Tiddle whittle little oom bum bum oom bum bum oom. Stop it! cried the shaggy man earnestly. Stop that dreadful noise! The fat man looked at him sadly and began his reply. When he spoke, the music changed and the words seemed to accompany the notes. He said, or rather sang, It isn't the noise that you hear, but music harmonic and clear. My breath makes me play like an organ all day. That bass note is in my left ear. How funny! exclaimed Dorothy. He says his breath makes the music. That's all nonsense, declared the shaggy man. But now the music began again, and they all listened carefully. My lungs are full of reeds like those in organs. Therefore, I suppose, if I breathe in or out my nose, the reeds are bound to play. So as I breathe to live, you know, I squeeze my music as I go. I'm very sorry this is so. Forgive my piping, pray. Poor man, said Polychrome. He can't help it. What a great misfortune it is. Yes, replied the shaggy man. We are only obliged to hear his music a short time until we leave him and go away. But the poor fellow must listen to himself as long as he lives. And that is enough to drive him crazy, don't you think so? Don't know, said Button Bright. Toto said, Wow, wow, and the others laughed. Perhaps that's why he lives all alone, suggested Dorothy. Yes, if he had neighbors, they might do him an injury, responded the shaggy man. All this while, the little fat musiker was breathing the notes, tiddle tiddle little oom bum bum, and they had to speak loud in order to hear themselves. The shaggy man said, Who are you, sir? The reply came in the shape of this sing-song. 
I'm Allegra de Capo, a very famous man. Just find another higher low to match me if you can. Some people try but can't do play and have to practice every day. But I've been musical always since first my life began. Why, I believe he's proud of it, exclaimed Dorothy. And seems to me I've heard worse music than he makes. Where? asked Button Bright. I've forgotten just now. But Mr. de Capo is certainly a strange person, isn't he? And perhaps he's the only one of his kind in all the world. This praise seemed to please the little fat musicer, for he swelled out his chest, looked important, and sang as follows. I wear no band around me, and yet I am a band. I do not strain to make my strains, but on the other hand, my toot is always destitute of flats or other errors. To see sharp and be natural are for me but minor terrors. I don't quite understand that, said Polychrome with a puzzled look, but perhaps it's because I'm accustomed only to the music of the spheres. What's that? asked Button Bright. Oh, Polly means the atmosphere and the hemisphere, I suppose, explained Dorothy. Oh, said Button Bright. Bow wow, said Toto. But the musicker was still breathing his constant um bum bum um bum bum, and it seemed to jar on the shaggy man's nerves. Stop it, can't you? he cried angrily. Or breathe in a whisper, or put a clothespin on your nose. Do something, anyhow. But the fat one, with a sad look, Sang this answer: Music has charms, and it may soothe even the savage. There he say, so if savage you feel, just list to my reel. For sooth to say, that's the real way. The shaggy man had to laugh at this, and when he laughed, he stretched his donkey mouth wide open. Said Dorothy, "I don't know how good his poetry is, but it seems to fit the notes." So that's all that can be expected. I like it," said Button Bright, who was staring hard at the musicker. His little legs spread wide apart. To the surprise of his companions, the boy asked this long question: "If I swallowed a mouth organ, what would I be?" "An organette," said the Shaggy Man. "But come, my dears, I think the best thing we can do is to continue on our journey before Button Bright swallows anything." We must try to find that land of Oz, you know. Hearing this speech, the musicker sang quickly. If you go to the land of Oz, please take me along because on Ozma's birthday I'm anxious to play the loveliest song ever was. No, thank you," said Dorothy. "We prefer to travel alone. But if I see Ozma, I'll tell her you want to come to her birthday party." Let's be going," urged the Shaggy Man anxiously. Polly was already dancing along the road far in advance, and the others turned to follow her. Toto did not like the fat musicker and made a grab for his chubby leg. Dorothy quickly caught up the growling little dog and hurried after her companions, who were walking faster than usual in order to get out of hearing. They had to climb a hill, and until they got to the top. They could not escape the musicker's monotonous piping. Um bum bum, um bum bum, little 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 um bum bum, um bum bum ba. As they passed the brow of the hill, however, and descended on the other side, the sounds gradually died away, whereat they all felt much relieved. I'm glad I don't have to live with the organ man, aren't you, Polly? said Dorothy. 
"'Yes, indeed,' answered the Rainbow's daughter. "'He's nice,' declared Button Bright soberly. "'I hope your Princess Ozma won't invite him to her birthday celebration,' remarked the Shaggy Man. "'For the fellow's music would drive her guests all crazy. "'You've given me an idea, Button Bright. "'I believe the musicer must have swallowed an accordion in his youth.' "'What's accordion?' asked the boy. "'It's a kind of pleading.' "'explained Dorothy, putting down the dog. "'Bow-wow!' said Toto, "'and ran away at a mad gallop to chase a bumblebee. "'End of Chapter 8 "'Chapter 9 Facing the Scoodlers "'The country wasn't so pretty now. "'Before the travelers appeared a rocky plain "'covered with hills on which grew nothing green.' They were nearing some low mountains, too, and the road, which before had been smooth and pleasant to walk upon, grew rough and uneven. Button Bright's little feet stumbled more than once, and Polychrome ceased her dancing, because the walking was now so difficult that she had no trouble to keep warm. It had become afternoon, yet there wasn't a thing for their luncheon except two apples, which the shaggy man had taken from the breakfast table. He divided these into four pieces and gave a portion to each of his companions. Dorothy and Button Bright were glad to get theirs, but Polly was satisfied with a small bite, and Toto did not like apples. "'Do you know,' asked the Rainbow's daughter, "'if this is the right road to the Emerald City?' "'No, I don't,' replied Dorothy, "'but it's the only road in this part of the country, "'so we may as well go to the end of it.' "'It looks now as if it might end pretty soon,' remarked the shaggy man. "'And what shall we do if it does?' "'Don't know,' said Button Bright. "'If I had my magic belt,' replied Dorothy thoughtfully, "'it could do us a lot of good just now.' "'What is your magic belt?' asked Polychrome. "'It's a thing I captured from the Gnome King one day, "'and it can do most any wonderful thing. "'But I left it with Ozma, you know, "'cause magic won't work in Kansas.' but only in fairy countries. "'Is this a fairy country?' asked Button Bright. "'I should think you'd know,' said the little girl gravely. "'If it wasn't a fairy country, you couldn't have a fox head, and the shaggy man couldn't have a donkey head, and the rainbow's daughter would be invisible.' "'What's that?' asked the boy. "'You don't seem to know anything, Button Bright. "'Invisible is a thing you can't see.' "'Then Toto's invisible,' declared the boy. "'And Dorothy found he was right. "'Toto had disappeared from view, "'but they could hear him barking furiously "'among the heaps of gray rock ahead of them. "'They moved forward a little faster "'to see what the dog was barking at, "'and found, perched upon a point of rock by the roadside, "'a curious creature. "'It had the form of a man, "'middle-sized and rather slender and graceful.' But as it sat, silent and motionless upon the peak, they could see that its face was black as ink, and it wore a black cloth costume made like a union suit and fitting tight to its skin. Its hands were black, too, and its toes curled down like a bird's. The creature was black all over except its hair, which was fine and yellow, banged in front across the black forehead and cut close at the sides. 
The eyes which were fixed steadily upon the barking dog were small and sparkling and looked like the eyes of a weasel. What in the world do you suppose that is? asked Dorothy in a hushed voice as the little group of travelers stood watching the strange creature. Don't know, said Button Bright. The thing gave a jump and turned half around, sitting in the same place. but with the other side of its body facing them. Instead of being black, it was now pure white, with a face like that of a clown in a circus and hair of a brilliant purple. The creature could bend either way, and its white toes now curled the same way the black ones on the other side had done. It has a face both front and back, whispered Dorothy wonderingly, only there's no back at all. But two fronts. Having made the turn, the being sat motionless as before, while Toto barked louder at the white man than he had done at the black one. Once, said the shaggy man, I had a jumping jack like that with two faces. Was it alive? asked Button Bright. No, replied the shaggy man. It worked on strings and was made of wood. Wonder if this works with strings, said Dorothy. But Polychrome cried, Look! for another creature just like the first had suddenly appeared sitting on another rock, its black side toward them. The two twisted their heads around and showed a black face on the white side of one and a white face on the black side of the other. How curious, said Polychrome, and how loose their heads seem to be. Are they friendly to us, do you think? Can't tell, Polly, replied Dorothy. Let's ask them. The creatures flopped first one way and then the other, showing black or white by turns, and now another joined them, appearing on another rock. Our friends had come to a little hollow in the hills, and the place where they now stood was surrounded by jagged peaks of rock, except where the road ran through. Now there are four of them, said the shaggy man. Five, declared Polychrome. Six, said Dorothy. Lots of them, cried Button Bright, and so there were. Quite a row of the two-sided black and white creatures sitting on the rocks all around. Toto stopped barking and ran between Dorothy's feet, where he crouched down as if afraid. The creatures did not look pleasant or friendly, to be sure, and the shaggy man's donkey head became solemn indeed. Ask them who they are and what they want, whispered Dorothy. So the shaggy man called out in a loud voice, Who are you? Scoodlers! they yelled in chorus, their voices sharp and shrill. What do you want? called the shaggy man. You! they yelled back, pointing their thin fingers at the group, and they all flopped around, so they were white, and then all flopped back again, so they were black. But what do you want us for? asked the shaggy man uneasily. Soup! they all shouted as if with one voice. Goodness me! said Dorothy, trembling a little. The scoodlers must be regular cannibals. Don't want to be soup, protested Button Bright, beginning to cry. Hush, dear, said the little girl, trying to comfort him. We don't any of us want to be soup. But don't worry, the shaggy man will take care of us. Will he? asked Polychrome, who did not like the scoodlers at all, and kept close to Dorothy. I'll try, promised the shaggy man, but he looked worried. 
Happening just then to feel the love magnet in his pocket, he said to the creatures with more confidence, Don't you love me? Yes, they shouted all together. Then you mustn't harm me or my friends, said the shaggy man firmly. We love you in soup, they yelled, and in a flash turned their white sides to the front. How dreadful, said Dorothy. This is a time, Shaggy Man, when you get loved too much. Don't want to be soup, wailed Button Bright again, and Toto began to whine dismally, as if he didn't want to be soup either. The only thing to do, said the Shaggy Man to his friends in a low voice, is to get out of this pocket in the rocks as soon as we can, and leave the scootlers behind us. Follow me, my dears, and don't pay any attention to what they do or say. With this, he began to march along the road to the opening in the rocks ahead, and the others kept close behind him. But the scootlers closed up in front, as if to bar their way, and so the shaggy man stooped down and picked up a loose stone, which he threw at the creatures to scare them from the path. At this, the scootlers raised a howl. Two of them picked their heads from their shoulders, and hurled them at the shaggy man with such force that he fell over in a heap, greatly astonished. The two now ran forward with swift leaps, caught up their heads, and put them on again, after which they sprang back to their positions on the rocks. End of chapter 9